Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Some Jersey showed up, but Illinois did all the fist pumping tonight. 86-51 in the Big Ten opener. I'm Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper. He gave me a little laugh after that one. Uh, 86-51, just a route, just a feel-good win. Two feel-good wins in a row. A four-game winning streak now uh, for Illinois, including three games against high major opponents. Uh, let's start it off. Rutgers is is bad. Um, they lost Miles Johnson. They lost Jacob Young. I feel for Steve Peichel here, Derek. Uh, he's he built a good program. Gets to the tournament last year. Feels like they're breaking through. And the Pac-12 keeps stealing all his players. The first Omarui. Now you get. Uh, and they're not even related, the newest Omari on the team. But now Jacob Young goes to Oregon. Miles Johnson, great defender, goes to UCLA. And it's Ron Harper Jr. by himself because Geo Baker, who I've always thought is a little overrated, but he can score the ball. Um, they really missed him tonight as, as Illinois held them to 30% shooting. I feel for Steve Peichel, man, because he, he's got a bad team right now, and it feels like he doesn't deserve that bad team. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Of course, it was on him, I guess, to replace those guys in Young and Miles Johnson. But he had an NCAA tournament team that won a game last year, and everyone was afforded the opportunity to come back. But uh, Jacob Young was really great in transition, attacking guard could get to the rim. They're missing him as just that secondary. I mean, obviously, when Baker's there in the backcourt, they have him. But uh, secondary guard that can score. And then Miles Johnson inside. Kofi had success against Johnson based on his numbers against Rutgers coming into this game. Had a double-double every time he faced Rutgers, but uh, throw Amori out there and uh, even more of a kind of a mismatch just in terms of the, the sheer size. But Illinois was ready, popped Rutgers in the mouth really after that first media timeout where it was still obviously close, but uh, just cruised past from there. Uh, Coleman Hawkins' defense on Ron Harper Jr. was really, really impressive. And uh, are we saying Illinois is off the bubble now? I mean, Rutgers, that they're not, like you were saying, not a very good team. You can understand why they scored 48 points against Merrimack and lost to UMass and lost to Lafayette. So they're reeling a little bit outside of that Clemson win. But really a lot to talk about with Illinois just offensively and, and what they did against Harper and Rutgers as a whole defensively. Piper's doing this more back into an Illinois basketball podcast, not Rutgers and my thoughts on <laughs> Rutgers after this. But, no, you did what you got to do. You got to beat these teams at home. Somebody came up to me and goes, what do you think about tonight? I go, you got to win this game. I mean, Rutgers isn't very good. You're at home. You start Big Ten playoff with a bang tonight. Uh, shot well from three, 12 or 33. They, they chuck some up there. But uh, when you hit 12 threes like that, we'll break this all down, Derek. But I do want to start with Coleman Hawkins. Um, you know, obviously, Alfonso. Plummer, Jacob Grandis, and Kofi Coburn did the scoring tonight, but we've seen it from the sideline. When, when Coleman, especially early in these games, just kind of lacks focus defensively to the scouting report, who he's guarding, and Brad Underwood has continued to say publicly, like, I think he can be an elite two-way player, but that means being elite defensively, and he was focused from the get-go on Ron Harper Jr., who shot one for nine, had five points in this game. That's a season low. Uh, Coleman Hawkins had two blocks, I believe both on him, or, or at least one of them was on him. 
Um, that's a glimpse of what his role should be on this team. I mean, Como still had nine points tonight, passed the ball really well. But, man, when he locks in defensively, especially in this conference, Derek, with all the great fours, E.J. Liddell, Trevion Williams, I mean, Illinois hasn't had a guy to stop that person. Coleman can be that guy. And Brad Underwood compared, I asked him about, you know, getting Coleman to buy in. He compared him and Coleman to Rams butting heads. And we've seen that, I mean, publicly on the sidelines. But Coleman started to buy in. And Brad started with Coleman Hawkins tonight about the individuals. I am not surprised because he is such a key to this team being great. If Coleman and maybe eventually Andre Curbelo comes back, those guys really lift the ceiling of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell that's why Brad continues to push him because he knows what he can ultimately get out of him. And that length was really important. And we've seen in the past, not that, you know, obviously last year with DeMonte and Grandison at the four, you had a really nice season. You were really darn good. But there have been matchups like Ron Harper that have been problematic. And the fact that the three prior games against Illinois, he was averaging 25 a game, shooting the cover off from three, and uh, just overall was was getting whatever he wanted. And uh, against smaller defenders, he could shoot over you. And then he's got a bigger body maybe for even Jacob Grandison. But uh, Hawkins with his length, his mobility, didn't give him open looks. He was engaged from the very beginning, which was different than, you know, against Notre Dame, Nate Lashevsky had two wide open threes because Coleman just left him. And that's something you got to understand and know, you know, even if my guy's getting beat, my assignment is not to leave this guy. So uh, when you do look around the league and you see EJ and you see, uh, I mean, you can just go on down, you know, even Purdue, Caleb First is playing well at the four and, and he's a tall freshman and Musa Diabati at Michigan. And, and that's just what you have seen traditionally here in the Big Ten is those taller foremen. And uh, now you have a legit matchup for Col- for them with Coleman. And obviously, I mean, even offensively, like the high-low action with him, there's a lot of possibilities there between him and, and Kofi because he's a very good passer, also can shoot the three. So uh, there's a lot of ability, a lot of potential in Coleman. And to see him, you know, really play a full game tonight was, was pretty exciting. Yeah, and he had one drive where early in the season he just kind of, you know, put it up, a contested shot. He kicked it back out. Uh, I forgot, I think it was Lou Goody at the top of the key, and Lou Goody just drains it. Uh, I just thought Coleman had an absolute complete performance, and it's just, did they find the four? They might have found the four. You know, it takes some time, and, you know, he's going to need some, there's going to be some ups and downs probably with him, especially with the, the emotion he plays with, but I think there was probably a light bulb that went off of Coleman, like, man, if I play like this, my coach is pretty happy, and we're pretty dang good when I do this. Um Mention Keegan Murray. I didn't mention as a four. I, oh, I should get on Monday yeah. flamed for that. Now he was out tonight against Purdue, uh, which obviously has a big role. But Keegan Murray is, is early running Big Ten Player of the Year so far. So yep. yeah, that's a big matchup, a big step up. I think he's obviously better than Ron Harper Jr., who's a really good player. Um, Alfonso Plummer shooting the lights out. Uh, Jacob Grandison shooting the cover off the ball. But Kofi Coburn, man, uh, is this Kofi Jokic? Like we got a. He only had two assists tonight, but that's three of four games he's had multiple assists, which ties a career high. He probably should have had more tonight, had some good hockey assists. But 13 points, drops his scoring total for you guys keeping track of the NCAA scoring leaders. Only 24 points a game now, and after a 15-rebound season high, uh, he's now averaging 10.6 rebounds per game, Derek. But the facilitating... um, Teams collapsing on Kofi, and then all of a sudden you got all these shooters, and these shooters are, are making the buckets, right? Plumber, DeMonte Williams had two threes tonight. Trent was two of eight, but he made two of them. Luke Goody makes two. Jacob Grandison makes two. And Grandison took over the game at one point with the shooting, but it's all really starting with the attention paid to Kofi and his ability 
to pass the ball out when he should and then take it one-on-one when he's got the one-on-one matchup. That's the deadly combination as you look at the three-point shooting. 12 made threes tonight. I think six different guys made one. And obviously Kofi's dominant in, on the interior, and you need to send extra attention to him because there are very few guys that can guard him one-on-one. And the fact that he notices when to take it, when to be aggressive, when you know where the open man is. And it wasn't just – there was an evolution tonight. I think that tonight was more than just seeing like a short side corner pass, like a simple one out and then a shot. Like Illinois really ran action and had the ball pop around the perimeter to make the extra pass, the hockey assist, or maybe even going all the way to the, the opposite corner. So uh, that is a, a team that is feeling that chemistry and, and the ball movement, the unselfishness, and that creates open shots. And, and that's something that you got to be really excited about when you watch – Purdue, I think that's one thing that when I've noticed, obviously Travion's one of the best passing bigs out there, but uh, the way that they move with their shooters, um, you know, when the ball's in the post and they're able to kick it back out, uh, that's what makes them really deadly. And while this offense really last year was pretty much mostly pick and roll, it was Io and Kofi in the pick and roll, not that they wouldn't dump it down to Kofi and let him do his thing, but, you know, that ball wasn't really coming out based on the assist numbers now. We haven't seen it without Curbelo out there. It's mostly a half-court offense inside, play outside. Uh, it's been super effective. So i got to ask you this, Derek, because people are asking me. Um, we don't know when Curbelo will be back. Brad said tonight he's dealing with stuff, right? So don't know exactly what it is. I know there's a lot of speculation out there about what it can be. We'll give him that space. If he's not going to talk about it or Brad's not going to talk about it. But when Curbelo eventually, I'm assuming he comes back at some point to this team, how do things change? Because they're playing well right now offensively, right? They're, they're playing well as a unit defensively. It feels like everyone's kind of settling into these roles. It's going to be an Andre, right, to kind of settle into his role. You have to use him in pick and rolls, though, if you're the coaching staff. So uh, that's that's. I don't know if it's a concern, but it's going to happen at some point when, if Curbelo comes back, uh, and I imagine it's more of a when, um, like how the whole team adjusts to that. But for me, that's a good problem to have, right? When you're thinking of bringing uh, one of the most dynamic playmakers in the Big Ten back into your team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, his usage rate was one of the highest in college basketball before he went out. Now, I know that a good chunk of that was without Kofi, so you weren't running. Uh, you're really relying on him to make a lot of the plays. And they were running pick and roll, but you know, getting the touches to Omar Payne isn't the same emphasis when you have Kofi down in there, uh, just knowing you know, kind of the back-to-the-basket prowess that he has. So it'll be interesting to see. I, surely they'll go back to pick and roll quite a bit. Uh, but I think even Andre may be acclimating to the fact of if we're going to play this four out, you know, four around Kofi offense, how is his role going to be when the ball comes out to him? Can he penetrate the lane? Will there be cutters off of different actions and uh, not, you know, expanding the offense or just kind of what he, what his role looks like beyond just running a pick and roll. So uh, clearly he is a great facilitator, very talented. Uh, obviously, he's made a lot of mistakes this year, a lot of growing pains early. but They're also were way better with him on the four offensively when he was on the four, right? Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, that will be interesting. He's going to have to acclimate himself back into this because they've got a good thing going right now. Um, but, you know, let's put to bed any, you know, they're better without Andre because yes. I know, I mean, that's kind of the, look, it, there's hot takey, fan takes, <laughs> like uh, last year Io goes out against Michigan. Oh, Illinois is better without Io. Oh, <laughs> Illinois loses Cincinnati. Oh, Illinois is on the bubble. Yeah. Now it's, we're going to phase into Illinois is better without Curbelo, which is also false. Yeah. I mean, 
I can understand why it's a fleeting thought in your head, but they're better with Andre Corbello. It's just going to be probably a process when he comes back. He might have some hiccups. You got to feel it out and all that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because at some point you hope that's you hope he comes back and that, that he can get back. And I, I think if anything, it should take some pressure off him. Yeah. He should be watching this and he's watching this from the sideline, seeing his team really click offensively and be like, I don't have to dominate. Like if I want to be an NBA player. It's the same thing with Coleman right now. You don't have to score all the time. And the same thing with this team. Like, Kofi didn't feel like he had to score all the time tonight. And he was the MVP of the game because he's just dominating attention, dominating the glass. Uh, and I think, you know, Andre Cabello could probably see that um, sitting from the bench. Uh, man, it's still good to see Trent Frazier um, being on the court. His shot's a little off, you know, 2 of 10 tonight, 2 of 8 from 3. But to see 2 go through, I think was really good for him. He's barely practiced, uh, Brad Underwood said. DeMonte Williams, another really solid game. Six points, five assists, one turnover, four boards. But, man, Alfonso Plummer and Jacob Grandison are just shooting the cover off the ball, Derek. I'll get the, I'll get the numbers here in a second. But uh, tonight, Plummer, three of eight from three. Grandison, two of five. Those guys are just knockdown shooters right now, and I don't think it's a fluke. Like these guys look like forty percent three point shooters, especially with how many open shots they're getting with Kofi down low. Yeah, Grandison from the corner with space is near automatic. I mean, there was the video last year that went viral where he's obviously literally unguarded and shoot around hits like thirty in a row. But he gets a lot of those looks, and when this offense is clicking at the right, you know ball movement and attention on Kofi there's a lot of those opportunities we saw it last year uh, of kickouts to the corner and and he got some of those tonight and uh, it's you know he was someone that shot 40 percent from three last season and shooting at a high clip this year as well and then Plummer I was running the stats (laughs) in the middle of the game not I'm maybe getting a little ahead of myself because he's averaging three a game right now right (laughs) he's averaging three threes a game and they got a seven mixed in there with a six but uh, currently on pace to hit 96 by the end of the regular season, which would tie Corey Bradford for third most in, in program history as far as one season. And then you'd have Post-season the Big Ten game. tournament, yeah. NCAA tournament. Corey Bradford had a hundred – or not Corey Bradford. Uh, Luther had 116 yeah. in one season. That's so. tough to break with 37 games, I believe, they, or 38 games they had that year. But, yeah. That's tough. But, it, <laughs> I mean, right now the pace is, is being set to be among the elite of that group. I mean, I talked about it with Latoup. It is the silver lining of all these guards being out is that guy got ridiculous confidence. And now he's confident in four straight games, Derek, of 20-plus points. Like, Illinois isn't a shooter like this. I, I mean, not there's not many in, in the program's history that, like, can do this. But also, I think he's starting to, to show a, a dynamic part of his offense where, listen, Alfonso Plummer's not going to break down guys off the dribble, but they are going to, defenders are going to run him off the line, and he's shown the ability to get to the rim, finish a layup, or to pull up at that mid-range. I mean, he hit tonight from two, uh, Alfonso Plummer, so he was 8 of 15 overall, so he was 5 of 7 yeah. from two. That, that's a big part. Like, if he can do that, he's he's a better player than we even thought coming in because uh, we didn't even think he had much dynamic ability to his game outside of shooting three. Yeah, he had a couple of those mid-range pull-ups early in the first half. Can get to the rim too. I mean, that's not something you want maybe him to lean too heavily on because yeah. taller defenders in there are probably going to block his shot. But he's, a, as Brad was saying, it's something that he's been practicing and he is a stronger built guy. And uh, he actually even mentioned in the media yesterday that he knew going into the Big Ten that he needed to, to work on getting stronger for more of that contact. And 
Yeah, I mean, he's exceeding expectations right now. It's come a long way from the guy that shot off the side of the backboard <laughs> at Marquette. Uh, so confidence-wise, uh, has really uh, gotten you know to its peak since since he's yeah. been here at Illinois, and, and we're seeing the the offensive weapon that again, I mean, had the coaching staff buzzing throughout the summer, throughout the fall, and. Four straight games of 20-plus is really, really impressive. Uh, I just want to break down a three-point percentage. So R.J. Melendez has only shot five, but he's made three, so he's 60%. Jacob Granson's 11 to 22, 50%. Luke Goody, 6 of 14. Man, that freshman ain't, ain't afraid, 42.9%. Alfonso Plummer on 57 three-point attempts is shooting 42.1%. Frazier isn't shooting very well, right? 29.7%. Coleman Hawkins, 292 I think if Coleman can get that around 33, 34, you'd feel pretty good about about that for the year uh and Demonte's starting to uptick right like he, he shot one really confidently tonight made two of uh, four he's five of 18 but trending up so I mean if you got Derek if you think Grandison Goody Plummer and, and maybe Demonte rest of the season can shoot 40 percent from three and, and Frazier and Hawkins being you know maybe 33 to 36 percent like man that's a lot of shooters around Kofi yeah, that's what they said they were going to have going into the year, being significantly improved from the outside, just having more weapons. And, uh, you know, last year had Granison over 40%. Uh, obviously, Trent had a, a very solid per- percentage, a guy that can be still streaky at times. But, yeah, when you factor in Plummer and, and just the upgrade as a shooter, uh, even over Adam Miller, who had a nice season last year, but Plummer is significantly better in terms of uh, catch and shoot he was last year and he's starting to prove that he can be an upgrade Demonte coming back into his own you can see the confidence back in him in terms of looking for his shot and just the way it's coming off his hand it looks more like Demonte from last year so and even Goody off the bench that does not look like a freshman right now I know it's still early he's still gonna have to earn his stripes but he just continues to impress and just he looks the part so uh, adding him as a shot maker off the bench is is really really key, and I, I still think Coleman's very capable. I don't think we've seen uh, quite what we are ultimately as he continues to settle in and get more comfortable. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. All right, Derek, so two pretty feel-good wins. I mean, Notre Dame, uh, even Brad Underwood said, you didn't step on their throats. You let them hang around. Could have been a 20-something-plus win. They were within two possessions late. But feels like they're starting to get on the right track. Feels like they're settling into what this team knows it can be and should be. And they're finally starting to get healthy. Like, Trent Frazier's still dealing with stuff. Some of these guys are still dealing with, like, the flu. And, and Andre Corbello's still sitting on the bench, right? But... What do you think these last four wins, especially the last two, um, say about this team? I think it, it talks to the response of, of what they've got going on. And, you know, Brad's talked a lot about toughness and 
to, to be able to fight through when you got the adversity and you're not practicing together and you got guys who aren't feeling right. And, and for Trent, I, I do think that there is a lot to be said for Trent to, as soon as he's clear, go out and play 32 minutes against Notre Dame. Like to have your leader do that, you continue to hear. You can't go to a press conference without hearing about Demonte Williams and everything he's doing and not feeling right, refusing to come off the practice court. Uh, you know, he was thrown up at halftime and everything. So I, I think it shows the resolve, and uh, you can just see in the way in Brad's mannerisms that he's pleased. He talked about leadership stepping up. He talked about intensity picking up, knowing that it's Big Ten play. So. Uh, that's important. And then offensively, there, there's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, the shootings come around, Kofi seeing things when the doubles come. And you're showing, you know, everyone kind of what we thought. I know that you would have probably pictured it as Curbelo and Kofi and people operating, operating around that. But this offense has a lot of potential uh, as they, you know, come together and, and progress forward. But, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame lost to Boston College tonight. Rutgers isn't very good. Cincinnati's not very good. Cincinnati's <laughs> not very good. You're going to still have to prove it. And, and Iowa will be a test on the road, especially if, I mean, if Keegan Murray's playing. Uh, I think that that uh, obviously will say a lot. But, man, if you're able to start 2-0 and in Big Ten play, go into that Arizona game against the top, at least the top 15 team as they're slated right now, uh, that would be your – opportunity for a marquee win in the non-conference and could erase or at least make up for some of the the slip-ups early yeah I mean this Iowa game it's hard to even think about Derek uh because if Keegan Murray's out which he's out against Purdue tonight we're recording this at nine o'clock basically and in, in it's halftime and Purdue who's going to be the number one team in the country after they probably win tonight 39-26 they lead uh against Iowa and it's, it's at Purdue West Lafayette we know Carver Hawkeyes, really tough place to play. Great fan base there. Great rivalry between these two. And and Iowa's undefeated coming into tonight, right? They haven't played many people. Um, we're able to beat, what, Virginia, I believe yes. it was, uh, 75-74. Lost a big lead in that game, but Joe Toussaint with a big bucket. Keegan Murray's a problem, though. So if, if he's healthy, that Iowa team is a lot better than, than maybe a lot of people thought they would be. And they can score, man. Like when and Keegan Murray's there, they can really score. His brother, uh, twin brother's a really good player. Jordan Bohannon, uh, we know can go off and, and bothers the heck out of everybody, but it's because he can make shots. Um, they're not as good on the interior, and Kofi Coburn should have a field day against Philip Rebecca. Uh, but this is a big test for them, right? Like, as you said, going on the road, this team hasn't played a well away from State Farm Center. They played pretty well here, uh, but now you go on the road, see what you're made of. And I think, most of all, Derek, it's going to be a test of your defense. I think we know this team can score. That's going to come and go every night. It's, it's got to defend, and it's one thing they didn't do very well at times against Notre Dame. Uh, obviously didn't do it well against Cincinnati, and that's why that game just got completely out of hand. Um, your offense comes and goes some nights. I think it is a big test of their defense on Monday night. Yeah, certainly. Iowa, I mean, I know that their opening slate, their first five, six games of the year, they weren't playing really anybody. Ken Palm, you know, 280 to, to whatever the bottom of that is, 358. But they're putting up like 100 a game, essentially, you know, in the high 90s and can typical Fran McCaffrey fashion, up and down, a lot of tempo, a lot of three-point shooting. We know Bohannon can go off. Keegan Murray is super versatile athletic forward that can just score it everywhere. 
Uh, and th- they're going to be someone that, that's going to stress you. They run a lot of, you know, spaced out offense, uh, and they have good chemistry uh, as usual, like cutting and uh, just trying to drive and kick. And, and it's going to test Illinois to be disciplined, uh, to not turn the ball over and give them, you know, fast break opportunities. And, yeah, you're going to have to be ready to score um, because you're going to have to keep up with them. But, uh, yeah, definitely defensively uh, the toughest test you faced here this season, really. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's fair to say. And and then going on the road in Big Ten play is a different animal than what you've experienced so far. Before we get out of here, somebody's probably screaming at the podcast. Talk about Omar Payne. Nice we night. Should. We should. Nice night for Omar Payne. Seven rebounds in ten minutes. I don't know if he had seven rebounds in the season, Derek, before this game. I'm going to check that <laughs> here. <laughs> it's It's got to be pretty close. But a nice night for Omar Payne. I mean, the key for him is allow Illinois – to, to rest Kofi for three-minute stretches, four-minute stretches, so he can have a break in the middle of the half. You bring Omar Payne uh, in the game, and by the time he comes out, you didn't lose four or five points, right? Just just be uh, allow Illinois to not have a huge minus when Kofi Coburn's out of the game. He did that tonight. I, I thought he had great energy outside of somebody give him a post-touch. Like, just don't go there. Yeah. Like, he doesn't need to do that. That's not who he is. And he dribbled like four or five times, turned it over. Uh, but that was a nice nice to see Omar Payne play well because they're going to need him, man. They're going to need him at some point. Yeah, it was midway through the first half, and he tied a season high in rebounds with five and ends up with seven. And like, he, had, he had 12 coming into the game. had seven tonight. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think he was really engaged and obviously battled on the glass, uh, was given that effort, and he just – he looked a lot more comfortable. He just looked like a guy that was out there playing, and uh, we've seen him kind of mentally process things and try to figure out where to be or, or just not being kind of reactionary in terms of, uh, you know, just going out there and playing your game. So uh, that was encouraging to see, certainly. And then to late shot clock going down, and okay, he tries to drive, and he just deflates the ball off the backboard. That was Obviously, showing off his athleticism, and I know the Orange Crush, who was on Mulcahy all night long, uh, really enjoyed that one. So, uh, very encouraging step for Omar, especially when you think about uh, what's coming up after Iowa. Arizona has a ton of size, and if they were to somehow get Kofi in foul trouble, or even just when Kofi's on the bench, they have two seven-footers. They're one of the tallest teams in college basketball, and you could use Omar uh, not only hitting the glass, but just you know being able to defend as well. So, but I, to your point, I think that's fine in a game where he's not really looking for his shot. If his role is bring energy, rebound, block some shots, like you're completely great with that. It looked like a pretty good team. It looked like a team that can compete and contend uh, atop the Big Ten. We know how good Purdue is. That matchup will wait until uh, January. Michigan coming in that week is going to be uh, absolutely electric. But a nice start. We'll see if they can follow it. I mean, I would imagine, Derek, Illinois ranked next week, maybe like 23, 22 or something like that. I think they've earned that with the last couple of victories. I think the Big Ten has made an impression. They'll have many ranked teams uh, next week. But, um, you know, Rutgers is, is going to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. I, I don't know if I expected that, but um, you took care of business against them. And, you know, this is starting to look like the team we thought uh, Illinois could have. And, again, your star point guard's on the bench. Yeah, a tone-setting victory to start off Big Ten play. Think back to last year, what they were able to do against Minnesota, and that was coming on the heels of a disappointing loss to Missouri. So, well, it, we're not too far removed from Cincinnati or, you know, UT, Rio Grande Valley. I'm the day I don't have to ever have to say their name again, it will be uh, will be a good thing. But UTRGV, there you go. There you go. UTRGV. I, had like I, 10 I almost messed that thing up. Um, yeah, 
this was this was impressive. And again, it, the fact that Rutgers isn't very good uh, is definitely worth noting. But uh, it takes a really good team to to run them off the floor and completely demoralize them. And, and Ron Harper is a really good player, uh, so they'll have to build on it. But they they're looking the part right now, yeah. and that's a good thing. And to your point, a uh, good team learns how to stack these wins, right? And, and uh, last year, after that Minnesota victory where they crushed them here in the Big Ten opener, they went on the road and lost 91-88 to Rutgers, yeah. right? And they got down huge early in that game, uh, and it took them a while just to catch up, but they didn't defend against a pretty good Rutgers offense at that point of the season. I think it's a very similar test. We'll see how they follow it up uh, at Iowa. For Derek Piper, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thanks for listening to the Line Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow and uh, give us a rating review wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate that. Until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Line Enquirer podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.